to Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author, coach, and a lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life and the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary Freedom from Overeating Starter Kit, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. And now, here's the show. Alex Linares, welcome to Unbroken. Thank you. So happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you heard about the three principles? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I love reflecting on this question because I feel like it changes every time that I kind of look back there, right? And see how how did how did I get here? Um, so background, um, I am a scientist uh, professionally, uh, been in research for a very long time, and uh, just have always been a really curious person uh, since, you know, my earliest memories was always around just finding out how things worked and where things came from and just, just really trying to understand um, and I think that kind of translated into my professional life, you know, looking into the scientific world, moving in that direction, uh, but also into the seeking um, side that started really early on for me from the earliest years of being in Sunday school and you know, kind of that religious um, learning. It wasn't a passive thing for me. It was a very active um, interaction that I had with that knowledge and the information that was being provided and really questioning what was coming my way and kind of looking around and realizing that not a lot of people, you know, that were six, seven years old were doing that. Uh, so, yeah, it was just really interesting that it became a really um, big identity for me really early on that, oh, I... I feel like I need to know more than others do. I feel like others are okay with a certain threshold and of, of knowing and they're happy with that. And I, I never really felt like I reached that. So I think it's kind of permeated my whole, my whole history. Um, and in that same kind of path, I, I encountered kind of what went through the religious and path and, and looking at different types of religions Um uh, kind of comparing and contrasting, right? That we do a lot uh, when we look at the Western religions, the Eastern religions. And um, through that, a lot of the philosophies and a lot of the things that kept coming up, the same themes were so interesting to me. Like, oh, like we, it seemed like we were all pointing at the same thing, right? And and we had different um, life experiences and words and histories and and just the beauty of seeing the similarities across all of that um, just became something really fascinating and very unifying for me. And to the point where I just, I didn't feel the need to find the one kind of dogma or the one method that would work for me just because I felt that it was all pointing in the same direction. Um which I think fits right into the the three principles, right? The, that part of um, 
this uh, of your question, which is uh, the three principles really brought that all together um, in a very secular way, which was really interesting, um, but in a very deep spiritual uh, felt sense, which I was very unique, right? Because I think psychology has tried to do that. You know, a lot of the Buddhist kind of meditation psychology has tried to do it. Uh, but the three P's just had a different, um, different spin to it. And and I just really kind of, it really resonated. It came to me at the right time in my life, um, which was actually through Amy Johnson. Um, I read her book, uh, end of 2020, uh, you know, all the things were happening, um, not just the pandemic, I was moving out of state and uh, reestablishing my life in a completely different place. And it really felt like a different planet <laughs> late 2020 uh, in terms of what, what life looked like and, and what the world I thought I was moving into versus what it was. And uh, it just really resonated for me um, to to just see the simplicity of experience as mind and thought and and just really being able to have a tangible word for for experience and the and the manifestation of experience so that's how i came to to find the three principles um it's mentioned in amy johnson's book uh dr amy johnson's book a little book of big change in passing it's not very you know it's not really a three principles book but but then i of course i caught it and i started looking into it and then i started reading a lot of the sydney banks banks work and a lot of the other uh three principle practitioners so it really opened up a whole world um of of speaking again about the same thing the same kind of um unknowable experience uh but the language really resonated with me and so many people who are guests on the show were have were searching for a specific answer to a question or a, you know trying to heal themselves from something when they went on that search was that the same for you uh, what's interesting yeah it definitely was i mean and it's very specifically to amy like how i found amy johnson uh and the three principles was around eating Right. Mm. There was this kind of big, heavy eating thing that seemed like an issue and I needed to find solutions. And so that was definitely the portal there. Uh, but when I reflect back and I really look at what preceded a lot of the issues that I was trying to fix, it was always this like more <laughs> generic emptiness uh, of like I'm missing something. There was this this very early on, I just had this sense of like, there's something more here that I'm missing. And I think that kind of longing that that emptiness then turned into, oh, I need to fix my food issues, or I need to be more disciplined, or I need to be a better parent, you know, like, I, I've seen how it's changed. But because I think it's because it was so early for me as a child. I remember that there was this like non-content longing um that that then obviously the the mind filled with with and still fills with plenty of content for me to to chase and fix right yeah and speaking of this you mentioned on your website that you had three big insights that uh changed the trajectory of your life could you share those with us please yeah 
Yeah, I love I just have a big smile on my face when I think about that because it's just been such a such a beautiful experience to to have a sense of um expansion and and sometimes that expansion feels like progression, right? Because mm-hmm. I want to give it a direction and you know, I want to feel like I'm getting somewhere. But what it what it's been is just this kind of um clarifying of orientation is the way I will put it. So uh, when I first started searching, uh, it really felt like whatever words and images were in my head, that that's who I was, right? Like I'm this thinking, right? I'm these words, I'm these images. And, and then in these first, like in these first, in those first kind of years, realizing like, oh, I'm not my thoughts, right? Kind of like when we think of someone like Byron Katie, right? Which was, you know, the work was one of those big portals for me. Um, And just realizing like how obvious, right? That like I wasn't my thoughts, right? There's some some activity up here, you know, seemingly around my head and and then I've identified with it. Interesting. And then it, then moving into like, well, then what is this body that feels, right? Without language, what is this body that that goes towards and in a way and and then realizing that i was then identifying with that as this body that was solid and was moving um and reacting to to the world and then when i looked at that closer realizing that i wasn't that either right like i wasn't the thinking and then almost like I'm I'm thinking with my body like that. That's kind of an extension of thought, right? Which is um, kind of a, a huge opening for a lot of people. And then I was left with like, who am I in the world, right? Like I'm obviously acting, and 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 it feels like I'm affecting other people. And then I must be my behaviors, right? I must be the activity of being out in the world. And then realizing how arbitrary that is, what I, who I am out in the world is through the filter of who I think I am through the thoughts, through the feelings, and then just having all that collapse, like, wow, if I'm not what I'm thinking and I'm not what I'm feeling and I'm not what I'm doing, what am I? And there's there's not a lot that comes back from that question. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and I, and I think that's the point, right? Like, I feel like when we really um, shed a lot of that, then, then there's not a lot of questions left, I guess, when, when those things are kind of obvious and, and self-evident. And was there an experience of, this may seem like an odd question, but was there an experience of grief when you realized you weren't your thoughts, you weren't your feelings, you weren't your behavior out in the oh. world? Was there a sense of loss? Oh, that's huge. And and I think we don't talk about that enough, not as coaches and not in this, because there, there was a huge, like there was a huge wave of grief and there's still are every time that that I realize that something that I identified with is not it, whatever it is, there is this grief and and it's a sadness of there's a little bit of like, oh, I spent so much time doing that and thinking that and yeah, 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 like all of that. But there's also this like it's almost this vacuum, 
Mm. of like, oh, life wants like something it wants to be filled with something with more information like if i'm not this i'm that and um oh look at that you should have done this earlier and like but then there's just this vacuum and i think that is what for me is the grief is that open space that sometimes just wants to remain empty and we are just we have so much momentum into not <laughs> having that emptiness be that it has this kind of going back to that word, that longing, that, that sadness, that there's, there's a little bit of a, of a tinge of, of sadness to it for, for a bit, um, sometimes for a long bit, but yeah, I love that you bring that up because I I've coached quite a few people that feel like something's gone wrong, mm-hmm. right. With that, because they're like, well, I thought this was going to be, unicorns and rainbows like i've been investing money and time and my entire life and then all of a sudden it's lighter life is lighter things feel clearer perhaps and i'm sad or i miss it or you know there's there's but is this and right and i think if we point to like yes and you're gonna feel that because that's the full experience of being alive um i think it can really help it can really help yeah oh good okay yeah thank you for saying that i appreciate hearing your take on that very much um you have a blog post on your site where you say that all we ever are is memory and i'd love for you to expand on that and tell us what you see in that yeah Oh, that's 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 like a fresh one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this was actually I was you know one of those YouTube uh, rabbit holes that once one can get into, <laughs> and uh, I was uh, listening. I was doing, I was cleaning or doing something, and uh, it was uh, Krishna uh, Jay Krishnamurti was just having one of his you know one of his big talks, and and he he said. Um, thought is a function of memory. And I slowed me down a little bit and I was like, thought is a function of memory. Okay, I can follow that, right? Like in order to have a thought that is known, there has to be information somewhere, right? That then is a thought, right? A a, a coherent thought. So I was like, I can follow that. And then he said, and everything that we can know is memory. And I I had to really slow down with that. And then my mind went to, okay, I'm going to find the exception. What is in memory? And, you know, you, you can try it yourself. I, I actually highly encourage that you try it yourself. Like you, you cannot find anything that can be known that is not memory because everything has been learned the shapes the colors the, the just even the sense of knowing the the idea of this is sight versus this is touch all that has been learned and not like actively like sit down in a classroom learned but it has been how we've learned to be human how we've learned to be people that that move in in this material world and and it was so tangible like because when when we can say it out loud and say oh everything's memory um it sounds a bit like 
you know, mm, I don't know about that. Like, but, but really sit with it. Like what you're holding in your hand right now, that this pen that I'm holding is only memory because I remember what, um, what a pen feels like, right? Like what it looks like, the shape of it, the colors of it, what I do with it. Like I can't hold a pen in its raw experience. I I don't know how to anymore because I've learned how to um, re-experience my memory as thought. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's such a profound idea. And it has me thinking about things like when people lose their memory, you know, if they have amnesia or Alzheimer's or something like that and, and what's left, you know, there is, there is an essence of course of the person that's still there. Yeah. It's fascinating. And, and that essence, what, what I, and, and, you know, when I think of remembering who we are, right, we have to re-remember who we are. Um, and we know that when we see, um, those uh, cases where someone loses, you know, either part of their um, function of their brain, or there's some kind of malfunction, they will lose their personality, right? And and some essential things that, and that's a huge grief process for the families, like, where did that person go? Mm -hmm. And that to me is, that's fascinating. And it points to that, right? That, that who we are, this continuous person is based on memory, which is, very fragile as we as we know right because it seems to be contained in this brain um and then there is this essence and that essence tends to be very immediate it doesn't reference back a lot and i think that's what what we're always kind of searching for is that oh what am i when i don't have to remember who i am or who i need to be yeah yeah, and I even think about when we have thoughts about the future, like if if there are things that are not memories, and I'm specifically thinking about anxiety, it still really is a memory because mm-hmm. we we are get, we're getting anxious about something that happened in the past, and we often think it's we're worried about something that could happen in the future, but really we're worried about something we think could happen again in the future. That's yeah where we go with our thoughts about anxiety that's huge like seeing that the future is memory <laughs> yes it, like blows your mind <laughs> yes it can't be anything else right like that's why like when you look at it it's fun because you're like what else would it be if it's not memory i wouldn't be able to know it and you know i think we've all had that experience like you're going about your day and someone says something and you had like nothing in you it wasn't in your universe to worry about and you're like, oh, now I get to worry about that, right? And it's right. it's interesting, like because all of a sudden that's that becomes part of your memory. But a second before, that was nowhere in your universe to be projected as a worry into the future. So it's just kind of interesting to see that our past, our present, you know, as in a tangible like this is who I am right now, and the future is all just kind of a function of of memory. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm going to be playing with that for a little while. For sure, I can tell. Yeah. And you also have a mention on your website about how liberating it is to know that we can't get it right. I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, 
this is one that I, I've been playing around with a lot. And actually we had a wonderful call today uh, with a small group and this came up and it's this little sneaky story that, that we learn early on that there is a kind of rubric or some kind of master plan or some kind of endpoint that makes our life right or worthwhile or yeah just it, and it was really interesting to see how subtle it is and and it shows up in really small ways where you're you make a decision and then there's doubt oh I should have done that why why would you what where does that come from and it it comes from this discomfort of not knowing what the right way to get you know to do life is because we won't know we'll never know but having the story that there is a right way to do it somewhere and it's not active and it doesn't play out in every single part of our lives but i think it does in most most of the things that we do in life that we do have this really this kind of like outline far off in the distance of what it should look like and how it looks like to move towards it. And, and realizing that that is there more than um, I, I think what, what the big insight for me was that if I got it right, I wouldn't know it because <laughs> wow. I don't know what right looks like. Right. Like, it's so far away. It's so nebulous. It changes so much. It's so dependent on my mood and who's around and, you know, what stage of my life. It, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know a right, good life if it like hit me over the head. And just knowing that was really freeing. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm hustling towards this perfection, but I don't even know what that perfection looks like. It never will. So, yeah. And we can, I mean, we can, I reflect that we can see that that's the case because we move, the the goalposts move all the time. You know, we can even have Mm -hmm. a moment where we feel like, oh, I did, I, I did it right. And yet there's still that chasing feeling there, that yearning uh, to get it right. So obviously it's not actually a thing <laughs> being yeah. able to do it right. Cause if it was, and we did something right, we would feel that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And for me, what, what flipped it for me was I think in the self-help world, we hear a lot of like, well, you can't get it wrong. Mm. Do what you got to do. And you just get, life doesn't get it wrong. And for me, that was like, there was this connotation, like I, my mind would finish the sentence and say, well, then everything is right, right? If I can't get it wrong, that anything that happens is right. And this was like the, I want, I, there was this movement away from the concepts of right and wrong in its totality, right? Because my mind was always going to get the other half of it, right? Like it was going to try to complete, you know, that, that, that sentence. And and when I was like, well, I can't get it, I can't get it wrong, sure, but I also can't get it right. 
because there's no such thing. And that just kind of collapsed the whole, you know, the both concepts for me. And and there was just this freedom that that I hadn't found before um, in that kind of disappearance of of that as a concept that I wanted that that felt like I was striving towards. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you shared that. That's such a good distinction to make that the whole thing collapses when we don't, when we realize, you know, there is, there is no wrong or right. Neither one exists. Yeah. Yeah. Like who's keeping score of that, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. God, I wish, you know, I had discovered this years ago because in my, I guess, thirties, especially, I really struggled to accept that I didn't want to fit into a mold. I felt like there was this mold, especially around work that I was supposed to fit into and I didn't. And so then I felt like I was doing it wrong all the time. And yeah, the permission to just be myself would have been so helpful in hindsight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, For me, actually, this insight came to me around parenting. Ah, And there was this like, okay, well, what if I can't get it right? And and I don't know. I mean, most people who have older kids, I have smaller children um, who still like love me and adore me. Uh, You know, we haven't hit the teenage years um, with the resistance yet, but I know some amazing parents who their kids are like, nope, no, you did it all wrong. Mm. And I just remember playing with that. Like, what if I can never get it right when it comes to parenting? There's always it's always going to be through the lens of them, right? And and their freedom to interpret regardless of my motives, my motivation, my anything. They're they're going to they're going to conclude whatever they're going to conclude, right? About these interactions. So if I hustle and try to get it right, then I'm, that's kind of a losing battle. And I was like, what if I never can? How do I, how do I show up as a parent, as a mother day in and day out, not trying to get it right, but trying to just be with what's showing up in that moment and just really tracking true to the experience that's showing up without that like need for continuity, right? Of like, how do I become the kind of parent that does it right? So Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's really great. Yeah. As you say, liberating was the word you used. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Amazing. Um, so now I would like to quote you back to yourself. <laughs> this is a quote from one of your blog posts. All life needs as me is here now. So can you talk about that a little bit and what you mean? Yeah. I I think what that what that means for me <laughs> listening back to it is really about the 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 wisdom of the immediate moment however it's showing up mm. and you get a second behind it and a second ahead of it and you're judging it and you're you know like no this is wrong should have been different and but the 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 moment that's showing up for us right now is the culmination of everything that's happened before what we remember what we understand what our bodies have felt what and really leaning into the fact that this mind will never know 
everything that came together to culminate in this moment. But I have the best proof that it is exactly what life needed it to be because it's it's what's showing up. And to me, that's it's a it can be a mental analysis of like, okay, yeah, things were meant to be. And it can be this kind of settling that's very humbling because in that place, we're really vulnerable because it's really a complete um, surrender. It's a complete surrender to what's showing up, the good, the bad, and the ugly, what we want to change the next moment, what we're going to regret, you know, when we come to, but there's just this kind of like liminal space before all that shows up that, that I think we know just, just that perfection. Mm-hmm. And so given that a lot of our listeners are dealing with an overeating habit, then could you put, put what you've just said in the context of having a craving, you know, and a, a desire to overeat? Yeah. Oh, this is, this is funny. Cause this actually came up yesterday for me uh, around cravings. And I just, I had a, I had a good laugh about it after it kind of, I kind of came to. And um, I was fighting a craving. I shouldn't, I should, da, 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 all the noise. And in the immediate moment of giving into the craving, all I said was, oh, this feels so good. And it was the most honest thing I had said to myself in such a long time. Mm. That giving into that craving felt good. And of course I'm going to do it if it feels good, right? Like that was the part where I was like, duh, right? Like I'm trying to make a big deal out of like, oh, what do I still want this? And it's it was so simple for me in that moment. Mm-hmm. What did I have it? because I wanted it and I liked it when I had it. And then the next moment, a lot more information came to me. Hmm, interesting. Why do I like this so much? But it was coming, I it, it was like, I was like driving and all of a sudden I let the, you know, when you drive and you just kind of look at the other parts of the map and then you kind of lose where you are and your GPS is still going, but like, you don't know where you are. You're like, where's the dot? And then you recalibrate, you press that button that centers the whole GPS, like that's what it did. All of a sudden, being honest in the moment with what was showing up for me, regardless of whether I liked it or not, reoriented me Mm. into, oh, I'm here, I'm here. And then I feel this, I felt this wave of openness into, okay, now you're here where are we going to where do we go next now that you are oriented now that you know where do we go next with what you've known not mentally not through my judgment but fully physically embodied knowing in that moment that that craving and giving into it felt good mm. does that make sense 
It does. This I is do. really, this just happened like 12 hours ago. So I'm like <laughs> processing it as we're talking through it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think it's such a good point to be reminded about is that we're always, well, this is one thing I got from what you say is that we're always wanting a good feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and we're always wanting to connect with, yeah, a, a good feeling. So it's perfectly natural that we treat ourselves to some sort of food because it does feel good. And I just get so much out of the fact that demonizing that takes us way away from what's actually happening. Yeah. Well, demonizing it, it, it I feel like it interrupts what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're in, in, you know, I think a lot of us have this experience, which I find it bizarre, but it's so common for a lot of us, which is as you're eating it, as you're eating something, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm eating this. I shouldn't be eating this. And and you're still, you know, you're still, the action is happening. It's almost like this out-of-body experience, like I'm not liking it. And there's this conflict, right? And I feel like in the conflict and when we're so in our heads about the conflict of, we're either in the conflict of doing it or in the planning of how we're not going to do it again, right? Yes. Like we're, but in either of those cases, we're not present mm-hmm. with the information that that we're getting in that moment as to why that action is taking place. Mm-hmm. And that to me is kind of going back and pointing to the the immediacy of the moment as where all the wisdom is. It's not in the plan that comes out of it. It's not in the regret. It's in that moment. Um, you know, what what is showing up fully. Um, including then the judgment and all of that that may come later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, given, you know, we just talked about presence and what life needs from us. So it, I'm I'm sort of trying to connect the dots with those with those two things, you know, and and the awareness that. Of that's within us, you know, we're not our thoughts, like we talked about at the beginning, we're not our thoughts, we're not our feelings, we're not our behaviors. Um, and I don't have a question, but I can just feel myself sort of, yeah, bringing those things together. Yeah, I think it it's a, about that seamlessness of life, mm. right? Like, when we can, when we can be in the immediacy of the moment without the need for the memory of who we are and who we should be and need to be. And we can be in the immediacy of the body as, as it seems to move through this environment, then, then all of it kind of comes together. The thinking, the feeling like there aren't all those separations. And I, and, and to me, that is, um, what what's always happening right i think it, it we are always that seamless movement of life mm. that is in itself the the culmination of life moment to moment right not not towards something not cuz it has an agenda not cuz it's you know moving towards that you know perfect next but just the the aliveness right the arising of aliveness exactly as it shows up mhm Yeah. And I guess with my brain, I just spend so much time trying to control that rather than just (laughs) letting it happen. I'm sure I'm not alone. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I think there, there is this, we'll, we'll go back and forth. Like sometimes we're like, oh, you know, we're, we're, I'm really trying to control this. And then you realize like, can I control it? Like, that's the question that I, that, you know, when I was like, well, what if I just let go? I was like, well, you wasn't doing much in the first place. So how about you, you know, then you start being more willing to try it when in small ways you see like, oh, I wasn't driving this bus anyway. Um, you know, little by little, you're like, oh, okay. What else can I let go? What can I be softer around? Mm-hmm. What else is none of my business here, right? That I could just kind of be easier around and yeah. And it's easier to do in certain parts of our lives. I think when it comes to like our big kind of graspy um, issue, it's hard to, it's hard to do that, but, but playing around with it where the stakes feel low. Um, I, I, I love starting there um, because then it's, it becomes a felt sense. Then, then you don't need to know it or, or, you know, kind of point to it or have a method for it as more of a way that, that, that you're, your body, like your system wants to show up around the experiences. Mm -hmm. And I love that's such a good reminder, you know, to play with this where, where the stakes feel low. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, for someone who's struggling with overeating, that might not be the place to begin, you know, but there are other places in our life where we can just play with this and see, see what happens. There is something so incredible about eating and food being what brings us to this conversation. Mm. I sometimes for some people, it feels trivial, like, oh, really, it's food for me. Like some people have like relationship issues or and and then on the other side, it's it's in our face day in and day out. We food is so integral to life itself and when i i'm just always in awe of the people who come through this conversation through the portal of food and eating and eating disorders because it's such an um uh it it takes over you know our 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 lives in such a amazing way and i think there there is a beautiful opportunity in how all encompassing um, coming to this through through food can be and and a, a lot of compassion that that is you know where it feels like we're fighting nature or survival or you know there's so many stories that 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 we come to the table with when when we're when we're expanding through through this lens of of food mm-hmm. oh thank you for saying that that was really beautifully said I appreciate that so as we get sort of closer to the end of our time together, is there anything you'd like to share that we haven't sh- talked about yet today? Um, no, I think uh, what I would share is that really there, there's going to be kind of this battleground for this expansion and this conversation, right? Like we're talking about food for some people, money for others. And, and that, that's going to have its tightness and its resistance and, you know, a lot of these qualities. And then there could be a playground 
next to that battleground Mm -hmm. where we can explore in a playful way some of these things that we are learning right through through our experiences and 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 just being able to say let me just play let me let me see what what i see because it doesn't matter let me be curious let me be the child who kind of takes this thing apart because it doesn't matter i'm not going to break it you know i'm not and just kind of holding those two things right like yes some things are going to feel like a battleground but then be curious about where is that playground where where you can expand um in in that more softer supported way and then you'll see that you know you know spoiler alert it's the same thing right. <laughs> it's just one thing but uh, but just making a conscious effort to to bring that compassion and that softness into um a lot of the inquiry that that we bring in this conversation. Mm, lovely. Thank you for that. So Alex, where can we find out more about you and your work? Yes. Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on my website, Kanaima coaching.com. Uh, so that's C A N A I M A coaching.com uh, and Kanaima coaching at gmail.com. Message me any questions, any comments would love to hear from you. Perfect. And you also have a podcast with Amanda Jones. Sure do. <laughs> the Wonderland comes out every Wednesday at 3.14 a.m. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Amanda Jones and I have been uh, are, recorded our 45th episode today uh, for The Wonderland. Uh, just a lot more of this exploration and very uh, kind of dreamy, open format. Uh, I hope people who join and listen to us get to daydream along with us. So uh, yeah, give it a listen. Nice. Okay, great. Thank you so much for being here with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Alexandra. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, get your complimentary copy of my Freedom from Overeating Starter Kit at alexandraamore.com forward slash starter kit. See you next time.